0: Thank you guys so, so much for the birthday wishes, even though it is not even remotely close to my birthday, but I love y'all. Guys, welcome to the harbor. So we are in week two of our series called Relationship Goals. And so tonight we are going to jump into an aspect of relationships. But before we do that, we're going to open up in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the people that you have brought here. God, I know that you are a God of purpose and intentionality, and so, God, I know that nobody is here by mistake. God, I pray that you um, would just allow us to have wisdom, give us understanding, give us maturity as we look at um, just different stuff tonight, Lord. God, I pray that you would give me clarity to my words. Um, God, that, that you would use me as your mouthpiece, God. Um, Lord, I pray against distraction during this time from our phones, from the people sitting next to us. Lord, I just pray that for the next little bit of time that we uh, would just be solely focused on you. And my pray, amen. All right, so in your community groups, uh, your icebreaker that you did today was two truths and a lie, if y'all were able to do it in your group. And so if I were to play that game, my two truths and a lie, which I want y'all to see if, how y'all know me. One. Basketball is my all-time favorite sport. Two, I am double-jointed in my knees. And three, I am obsessed with coffee. Which one is my lie? All right, how many do you think that it's the first one, that I, basketball, all-time favorite sport? Okay. How many do you think that it's two, that I'm double-jointed in my knees? Yeah, y'all know that one. And number three, how many of you think that it's I'm obsessed with coffee? So if you guessed number three, you would be correct. That is my lie. I find coffee to be absolutely disgusting. Um, So some of you, maybe I know know the great debate, y'all are all like, oh, but it's so good. No, it's really not. It's disgusting. Anyway, some of y'all, especially the sixth graders, we played this game during VBS week. And so those were my three that I used that week. And so you already had this knowledge, or maybe you just know me really well, maybe you've heard me talk about it before, so you kind of had this advantage when it came to this game. You understood, you knew who I was, you were able to pinpoint what the truth was and what the lie was. And so tonight, um, we are going to spend some time, because I want to clue you in on what is the truth and what is the lie when it comes to seasons of singleness, So as we move through this relationship series, we gotta start somewhere, right? So singleness, everybody, every single person in this room is guaranteed to be in this phase. Not everybody's guaranteed that they are gonna you know, date somebody, that they are gonna get engaged, that they are gonna get married, that's not a guarantee. Will it likely happen? Probably, but it's not a guarantee. Singleness is a guarantee. And so my hope is that tonight, this isn't just something that can be applied to you as somebody that is looking to be in a relationship one day, but that you recognize the significance of knowing and believing your own value, your own worth, your own identity, and how this actually impacts all areas of your life, not just relationships and dating and things like that. Because I want you to understand, what you do and believe right now in your current season of life determines how the next season goes. I do not want you to miss that. I want you to understand that. What you do right now matters. Just because you're a teenager, just because you're a student in middle school or high school doesn't mean, you know, the things that you do are meaningless. They have, they have significance. And so I want you to understand that. What you do right now matters. How you live life right now matters. So like if I wanted to run a marathon, which I don't, so no worries there, but if I did, I wouldn't start training the day before the race. I would properly prepare well in advance by making sure that I'm fueling my body properly, that I am stretching, that I am running regularly to increase my capacity. Could you imagine that if I actually showed up race day and I hadn't prepared, I literally think that I would die. Like, I'm not kidding when I say that. If you want success in the future, what you do right now matters. So if in the future you want a healthy relationship, you want a healthy marriage, that starts now. You don't just show up to the altar one day, say I do, and like hope for the best. You prepare by learning, okay, what is sacrificial love? Like, what does that look like? How do I serve other people? How do I set aside my own wants and desires and put somebody else above me? You know, you start by preparing now by learning things like that. And so I wanna help give you the advantage that when it comes to, um, determining what is true and what is not, how you can prepare now, how you can do that well, regardless if you're looking to know, like, be in a relationship, because the enemy is going to try as hard as he can to throw lie after lie after lie after lie your way, hoping that you actually believe it as truth, and so stick with me tonight, um, and we're going to talk about applies to just so much more than singleness. So, Like I said, singleness, it's this phase that no matter what, everybody is guaranteed to be in at one point or another. Um, You know, most people, singleness, they, like, aren't looking to, like, keep that title. Most of them are looking to, like, lose it instead of, like, finding purpose in it. And so when it comes to singleness, I've heard people react all kinds of different ways. When you're talking to people that are married, they have this, like, like, pity look on their face. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I wish you had what I had. Or, you know, you meet those people that are, like, super pumped that are, like, Yes, I get to play matchmaker for you. I'm going to find the perfect person to, like, set you up with. Um, In reality, just side note, single and single does not mean compatible, just just so you know for all my matchmakers out there. Um, When you're talking to single people, I've seen where they literally just get this, like, look of sadness across their face because they want nothing more than to be in a relationship with somebody. Um, I've seen it where people, like, own it, love it, and they're like, yes, I'm living my best life. You know, they don't even have a desire to be in a relationship at that point in time. But I've also seen people where they truly desire to be in a relationship, yet they live life with joy and contentment and peace, even though they're in the season of singleness and a desire that they have isn't being met. So how can they live with peace, joy, and contentment and all of these things? So my question for you is how should we live well during seasons of singleness? Um, Do you just see this as a window of time that you, like, rush through just to, like, you know, get to the relationship, just waste the time or is there actually purpose in it? Because my guess is I would say probably like 90% of you that are sitting in here right now that you are in this phase of life, that you're single. There may be some of my high school students that are like in a relationship with somebody. um, But this is something that we can all learn to do well. And so even if you are dating and you're in this room, I challenge you to pay even more attention. Like the things that we talk about tonight, was this your mindset before you even entered into your dating relationship? And so understand that healthy relationships happen when two people who are content in their singleness that are doing okay in their singleness before they're ever okay in any type of relationship. And so we are gonna spend some time identifying the lies um, that when we break them down, I ultimately believe that they fall under two categories. And so the reason it's so important for you to um, that we identify these lies, is that these lies will lead to discontentment, dissatisfaction, make us question our identity, make us question our value, our worth. And it's because of these these reasons that people don't walk through seasons of singleness with joy. And so the first lie that I wanna call out and that I really wanna address tonight, I think is one that every single person in this room struggles with, regardless if you are looking at your relationship status um, or not. The lie is that I am not enough. This is the lie that says that there's something wrong with me. That I don't measure up to other people. That God must have made a mistake when he made me because I see failure in my life. I see flaws. I see areas where I don't stack up compared to other people. That there must be a mistake. That there's something wrong with me. You might know the truth that God created you with intent and with purpose and with all of these things that He, he formed you and He gifted you with special talents. Um, but do you actually live like you believe that? So the lies that kind of fall under this category, um, you, you might say things like, okay, well, no one wants to date me. No one wants to be in a relationship with me because I'm not funny. I'm not pretty. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not, you know, fill in the blank with whatever area you feel like you are lacking. You say, I am not enough. Another one is I'm not likable. I'm not lovable. You know, you look in the mirror and you see all of your flaws and you're like, how could somebody like me, let alone love me? Or maybe it's the lie that, you know, you need somebody in your life in order to make you happy, in order to make you feel complete. You know, there's this weird feeling of, of shame within culture where it's like if you aren't, you know, where culture says that you should be, you feel shame. Even though, you know, you haven't done anything wrong. But it's the stigma that culture puts on you that you feel like something is wrong. And so what happens when we start to believe lies like this? What happens when we start to really believe that I am not enough? And there are three things that I think we see. The first one is that we compare. Comparison is ultimately the thief of all joy. When we compare, we think that we don't measure up. We look at somebody else and we say, oh man, if only I was as smart as them, only if I was as pretty as them, only if I was fill in the blank, whatever it is that you struggle with in comparison. When we begin to compare ourselves and measure up to other people, we will lose joy. The second thing I think we see is that, as a result of this, we settle. That you might be interested in being in a relationship with somebody and you have this list of things that you're like, man, I really want the person that I'm with, I want them to be you know, um, humble, I want them to be kind, I want them to be compassionate, I want them to be all of these different things. But then when you start to believe that you're not enough and when somebody comes along and starts like paying you attention and making you feel special, you're like, okay, well, I don't really see humility in their life, but, but that's okay. Oh, I, I don't really see like kindness in their life. Like when we go out to eat, like they're really rude to the, to the serving staff, like different things like that. And you're like, but, but it's okay because they, they make me feel special. And so that, that list of things that we're like, no, this is what I want, we start to settle on that. And then the third thing that I think we see is that we begin to delegate. And what I mean by that is we begin to make it somebody else's job to give us our identity, to give us our value. That we think when we're in seasons of singleness and when we haven't learned our own identity and value, you jump into a relationship expecting somebody else to define who you are. To, to make them the ones that are responsible for giving you joy and happiness and, and value and identity and all of these things. But what happens if that's the case? The second that that relationship is over, all of your value, all of your identity, it's out the window. That, that your happiness was contingent upon this person. And so at the root of all of these lies, the things that happen, I really believe that it is, it's an identity issue. And it's so crucial that we establish our identity and our value while in seasons of singleness. But how do we do that? What is our actual identity? And so we're going to look at a passage in Romans 8. Some of you may have read this in your community groups, but it says this. For all of those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children And if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified in him. So scripture tells us that our primary identity is a child of God. The Holy Spirit within us, it cries out, Abba, Father. It doesn't cry out, boss. It doesn't cry out, master. It doesn't cry out, king. It doesn't cry out, Lord. It cries out, Father. And that's so interesting to me. There's such this like personal relationship and father, you know, this sounds very formal to us, but in my head, I always just pictured it as like this little kid that's been hurt that literally runs to their dad and they're crying, you know, daddy, dad, you know, whatever it is that they would use. Um, Because there's there's this safety, there's this familiarity, there's this peace knowing that the father is going to take care of them. And so it's because of Jesus that we have access to God. We are co-heirs with him. And so your primary identity, it's not what you do. It's not who you are with, but it's whose you are. Your talents, your gifts, um, your abilities, these aren't the measuring sticks that you use um, to determine your value. Because it's honestly, it's not about what you bring to the table. It's all about what Jesus did. And so your identity isn't in, I'm the best athlete on my team, I'm the smartest kid in my class, I'm the president of this club, I'm single, I'm dating. It doesn't even belong to, I have anxiety, I have depression. Your struggles do not define you. God is who defines you. Colossians 2, 8-10 says this, Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. So he's saying, do not listen to the culture around you. Do not listen to the lies that you are surrounded by. They are everywhere. Do not listen to them. Listen to Jesus. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. To be filled by him means that um, because of Jesus, we have been made complete, that we have been made full. To be filled, this picture is of, of being whole, of being complete. And to be complete means that you don't lack anything. To be complete means that you don't lack anything. So when we measure up against this lie of, am I enough? We see that scripture says, no, you have been made complete. You have been made whole because of what Jesus has done. God wants what's good for his children. And that happens when we walk with him. We lack no good thing um, when we follow him. Now, your definition of good thing and God's de- definition of good thing are probably or could be two very different things. I remember there have been times when, you know, you're, you're talking, you're hanging out with people, you know, going out on dates or whatever, um, whatever y'all are calling it now. And I remember, like, there was one where, you know, the relationship didn't work out. And I specifically remember, like, having those lies start to, to fill my head of, okay, there's something wrong with me. Like, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. And I start to question all of these things, believing the lies that were in front of me. But I can honestly tell you, like, I am so thankful um, that nothing ever came of that relationship because God was looking out for me. I look back and I I still follow some of these guys on social media and I see where they're at now. And they are not walking with Jesus, they do not love the Lord. Some of them have even, like, renounced their, their faith in Jesus. And so when I look back, I'm like, wow, like in the moment, I didn't see where it was God's good. But now looking back, I'm like, man, God, thank you for that. Thank you for looking out for me. Thank you for protecting me in those seasons. And so you might be in similar situations where like you've been talking to somebody and it just falls flat and it doesn't work out. Guys, wait and see, you know, maybe the Lord will show you why it didn't work out. And so... We combat this lie that I am not enough by recognizing our true value and our true identity in who God has made us to be as individuals. Uniquely, specifically created with talents and gifts um, that are personalized to us. And so don't look at singleness as this like waiting phase until you just get to the relationship. Use it as a time to build a strong foundation of who God is and who he has made you to be. Discover your gifts, your talents um, that he's given you, grow them, Um, build the community around you so that way you have people that can start calling out the lies that you start to believe. That way when you are in a relationship, someday you aren't counting on this other person to give you your value, to give you your significance. The second lie that I want to identify is again, it's something that I think most Christians would never admit that they believe but do our actions say otherwise. And the second lie is that God is not enough. This is the lie that says that God can't provide for you, that God can't satisfy the desires of your heart. So this might sound like, you know, God hasn't given me what I want, so I have to take matters into my own hands. Or, you know, it seems like God's been really silent. He must not hear me or he must not actually really care. The only thing that's going to make me happy is that if I'm in a relationship. And so when you believe these lies, it's like you're looking at God and saying that you can't handle it. God, I've got this. When we get to the root of this lie, when we really like dig down and look at it, I really believe that we look and we see a contentment issue. That this doesn't just apply to relationships, but if you believe the lie that God isn't enough to satisfy you, your heart will go searching for what you think will. So I want us to look at um, what Paul has to say real quick in Philippians 4. Philippians 4, it says, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. And so he's about to clue you in. He's like, okay, this is the secret. If you want to know what it looks like to be content, here it is. He says in verse 13, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. So this, how is it that, that God providing strength, that's the secret of contentment? See, contentment, it's not something that naturally came to Paul. It says that he learned contentment, that he learned it, that Contentment doesn't naturally come to us either. It's something that we learn through life experiences, through life circumstances. He didn't allow himself to play victim to the circumstances that were around him. So contentment, it's not complacency. It's not this false sense of peace. um, You know, and contentment doesn't mean that, you know, you escape the hardships that are around you. um, But you have an abiding peace. You have a confidence um, within your circumstances. And it's not confidence in yourself. It's confidence in Jesus and who he is, you know, verse 13, um, this is the one that we see that's taken out of context a lot, you know, a lot of the athletes, you know, it may be in your Instagram bio, or maybe it's on like your black eye that you wear, like, you know, while you're playing sports, um, it's not referring to this like physical strength, or this thing that's like, all right, like, because of the Lord, like, I'm guaranteed a win, no, that, that is not what this verse is talking about, it is not this physical strength I was listening to this podcast, and the preacher, he was, like, talking about this verse. And he said, I want you to take that word strength, and I want you to replace it with satisfies. I am able to do all things through him who satisfies me. And so that strength that's being talked about, it's the sustaining power of God that he provides to us to make it through life circumstances, that he sustains us and that he satisfies us that I have everything that I need within me to make it through the ups and downs of life because of the power that dwells in me, because of the power of Jesus within me. And so how do I access that power within me? Through faith, through believing and trusting um, what Jesus has said and who he is. And so begin to learn contentment now. Because if you never actually build contentment in your life, in your singleness... Whoever you date, whoever you marry, they're going to let you down. They are going to make for just this awful, um, they're not meant to be your savior. And so when we feel this lack of contentment, especially within seasons of singleness, it can lead to a lack of conviction, which then leads to settling. Conviction is this belief. And so when we lack trust in God, when we lack seeking that satisfaction and contentment in the Lord, we settle for less than his best for us. And so what do we do? We've learned and we talked about, you know, we have to find our identity and our value and our satisfaction from Jesus. But how practically do we do that? So there's a couple of practical things that I really just want to give you that help you learn your identity, that help you understand your value, and help you find contentment in Jesus no matter what season of life you're in. And so the first one um, is that read and study your Bible. You combat lies when you know truth. And so if you're not in God's word, learning what it has to say is true, you are gonna easily fall prey to those lies. And so if you're having a hard time not knowing like where to start in God's word, or if you don't even have a Bible, we have free Bibles and free devotionals right out here in Lobby C that you are welcome to grab when we are done. Get in God's word. Understand what he's saying about who you are. The second thing is get connected. Get connected in a a community Small groups on Sunday morning. Do life with people that are going to encourage you and propel you forward. Not people that are going to um, tear you down at every turn. Find community that is going to be um, beneficial for you. And then the last one um, is discipleship. Follow somebody that's following Christ. Find the godliest guy. If, you know, guys in here, find the godliest man you know. Girls in here, find the godliest woman you know and say, hey, will you mentor me? Will you disciple me? Can I just come and learn from you um, about who God is and what he's done? So the best thing that you can do in your seasons of singleness is just to get healthy, to find your true identity, value, and contentment, um, and the only place that it can actually come from that won't let you down, and that's from the Lord. And so there's advantages in your seasons of singleness. As a student in middle school, you know, develop your talents, and your gifts. Use them in service to the community around you. Um, build that solid community. Establish your walk with Jesus. So understand that like singleness, it's not just meant to be this like skipped over phase just until you can get to the dating relationship. There, there's, meant, there's joy that is meant to be found there. And so don't rush past it. There's purpose in it because God is a God of intentionality, that he doesn't do things by mistake. He is purposeful in everything that he does. So one of my goals is that there are women in this church, women in my life that are so godly and it's so evident that they love the Lord and that um, they're just so full of wisdom. And it's my, like, I want to be like them when I get older. You know, when I'm 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, I want to be like these women. But that doesn't start when I'm 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. That starts now. If I want to be like that, um, I have to work on that now. And the same goes for you put in the effort now so that you can become what you want to be like. And so if you wanna have a healthy relationship, put in the work now, understanding and contentment in your singleness and in those seasons. Um, And so lastly, really quick before we close, if you recognize that like you haven't done seasons of singleness well, that you've been kind of like that complainer of like, woe is me, like this is the worst thing ever. Recognize that, um, or maybe you've been sitting in here and you're like, I recognize that, no, like my heart's just really been searching for satisfaction in other places other than the Lord. Um, understand that He's so much bigger than your mess ups and mistakes and anything that you could ever do. He is our healer. He's our redeemer. He's our savior. He's our restorer. And so nothing that you can ever do will ever make Him love you any less. Like, run to Him. Um, and I guarantee you, He's going to meet you there. And so if you're sitting in here, and you actually have never experienced any type of satisfaction of knowing who Jesus is, um, or what I've been talking about tonight, like, I'd love to talk to you about that a little bit more, so you can come find me, find any of the leaders, Um, but don't walk out of here not knowing, you know, the the truth and the goodness of who Jesus is, Um, and so really quick, I'm going to pray for us before we head out of here. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for your love for us. God, I thank you that there is no season of life that does not have purpose in it. God, even in seasons of life where we struggle and where we feel hurt and where we feel pain, God, that you are in those moments, that you are there with us. And so, God, I pray that these students, not just even looking at relationships, God, but that we would understand our our value and our identity and who God has, who you have made us to be. Um, And so, God, I just pray that that would be something that would be um, on our hearts and on our minds as we leave here tonight. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love for us. And it's my prayer. Amen.